Welcome to episode 275 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. One of my favorite things to come out of chaos of the last two years are the number of networking events I now host or attend virtually each month. Even though I've been using Zoom for several years before the pandemic, I had not thought to schedule regular networking socials with friends and colleagues. My favorite events have always had a mix of content and connection. This is what led to me investing thousands to attend various conferences over the last couple of decades. When virtual events became synonymous with events, I knew we had to find a way to create these same opportunities. And that's why I spent the last two years hosting a free weekly hashtag no more bad zoom virtual happy hour every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern. It's been such a joy to see this community grow over the years and to hear about the numerous relationships that have begun in the breakout rooms. I particularly love how we've created a space to share so many little and big wins. I'm making some big changes to how I offer this community service. My No More Bad Zoom virtual happy hour is morphing into a free monthly event on the first Friday of each month. I wasn't ready to give up hosting this weekly event, but knew I needed to change things up. So now attending the other Fridays of the month is one of the benefits of my membership program. That's right. I'm launching the Content and Connection Club, an online forum to learn about and discuss strategies for business growth, networking online and in person, and virtual event engagement and presentation skills. So what's the theme that holds all this together? Relationships. These are also areas that I've been recognized as an expert, including writing books and HBR articles, doing a TEDx talk, and hosting a podcast for nearly six years, in addition to growing a thriving company that provides these services. I know content is not enough, which is why this is not an online course. To foster stronger connections between members, they are invited to attend the No More Bad Zoom virtual happy hours every Friday. You've signed up for the Content and Connection Club so you can join us each week. In addition to the online discussion forum, you'll network in breakout rooms, learn a quick tip from me, and get answers during an extensive Q&A. The cost to join is just $10 a month if you join before the end of April, and then $25 a month for everyone who joins after, and half the proceeds will be donated to Feeding America. You can learn more at contentandconnectionclub.com. I'm creating this club to create a more intentional community because I know how valuable the relationships are that grow from regularly engaging with a community of entrepreneurs. We'll welcome newcomers to join us once a month for a free event and develop stronger bonds with club members who attend weekly and engage in the online forums. I've grown online communities before to thousands of members and I'm excited to do so again now that we have better technology to engage with each other and create strong connections. Learn more at Content and Connection club.com. Now, on to this week's interview. Today's guest has been called the Da Vinci of Visionary Leadership. Named among the top eight global experts in leadership and shortlisted for the Distinguished Award in Leadership by Thinkers50, he's a global thought leader, author, business educator, consultant, and C-suite coach. He is helping companies to create and execute their vision and achieve superior business performance. 
You can find him on Global Guru's Top 30 in Leadership and is the number one global leading coach, Marshall Goldsmith, Thinkers 50. His research identifies entrepreneurs and managers' strategic needs in the areas of leadership and helps leaders become the masters of the future and achieve new levels of success. He's the author of five books, including The Vision Code, Leaderology, and Corporate Superpower. Please join me in welcoming Oleg Knovov. Robbie, thank you very much for inviting. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Oleg, thanks so much for joining us from Moscow, Russia. Thrilled to have you here. And as I just mentioned a moment ago, this show is all about building strong networks, but the context is leadership. So tell me, how do you define leadership and when did you realize you have the skills to lead? Leaders, uh, actually, it's not a simple definition. And there are many definitions of leadership. And it doesn't mean that one is wrong and one is right. But it's all about how do I able to define what future will be and how I would be able to lead people into that future. It's about actually mindset that is uh, attuned to the future. It's not about solving today problems. We'll have millions of problems around us, problems like mosquitoes. They're biting us all the time. You can't kill them all. You better look for solutions, which would be great for tomorrow and make them a reality today. And back to your question, you see, in old days, uh, I served as part of a national service in the former Soviet Union in the army, which was fairly tough for a couple of years exercise. And um, I was like in a special squad. So I got a good experience of facing or leading people in a tough situation without being a formal leader. It's not about your title. It's not about your rank. It's about how you would take responsibility for leading people into that future or into that future solution or encourage people to come up with their solutions and build something strong for the benefit of others. Really like like your emphasis on future thinking in leadership. Uh, not just saying there's a problem today or resolving, but it's the it's the person who's thinking forward to what's coming next. What what do we need to do to to really make maybe a, a better solution in the long run, but also an eye towards how do you gather people around that future forward momentum idea? We all, or most of us, are very strange creatures. Uh, a we most of today leaders they have a problem which I call the mind lock. You know, we're thinking too much about the past, a little bit about the present, and almost nothing about the future. So there are many leaders, or so-called leaders, in all countries and in all industries, that they're trying to get to lead the people into their own past. And they're trying to repeat the same mistakes again and again and again. It's not good. Mm. And one of the traits of proper leaders is they think solutions, they don't think problems. Mm -hmm. And actually, this is a very interesting difference. When you walk into a room and you could listen to people what they're chatting about, I'm not very keen to associate myself with people who talk only problems. I prefer to be with people who talk solutions. 
Right. And that is a very interesting difference. We'll have problems, as I mentioned. Come on. Yeah, but we all we, we all do. <laughs> we could build them on and on and on, but yeah. you know, we're just dragging them into tomorrow and we're afraid of that tomorrow. No, come on, create something bright. <laughs> so uh you mentioned a little bit the the service that you you did, and um that is clearly an opportunity to step up. I'm kind of curious, even if you went further back, Oleg, in life and into who you were in grammar school, like growing up, um, you know, were you the kind of kid who organized other kids in the playground? Did you run for office in student, you know, government? Did you like, did, did teachers see you as having that potential or did you kind of hang back and you're a little more reserved? Uh, I was a good troublemaker. Quality <laughs> troublemaker. A quality <laughs> troublemaker. Yeah, I was really good at uh, at programs. It was always with high marks. My problem, not the highest, but really high marks. But I was really good at standing up and saying, no, I wouldn't do this. Oh, you know, just something with that. And of course, I got a bunch of people around me and oh. So I'm kind of doing the same things. And uh, let me wait. Do you I, mean, I would not say I wasn't easy. Were you leading these other people to being troublemakers with you or were you just all kind of in it together? As they pro- we got together somehow. It wasn't about who, who is more important, who is stronger. It's just like troublemakers are recognizing each other fairly quickly. <laughs> and I was one of them. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because looking at who you are today and all that you've accomplished, troublemaker is not the adjective I would uh, ascribe to who you are. Um, so, where did like did, was there a person that kind of helped you put you in a path to help you sort of think about how your life could be? It's life lessons, but actually, there is nothing wrong of being a troublemaker in a good sense because you're not about to do something very nasty. No, it's not about this. Uh, it's not to level something right. Really, really bad calls. No, but it's about to stand up and understand what do you want? What do you need? And uh, further along the line in this life, you're learning, okay, I need to focus on something, even if people would tell me it's wrong or they don't like it. This is my decision to do something and I see an importance of it. And this is my decision to put all my effort, all my commitment to something, even if society or people around me, they're coming up with their opinions, not solicitous opinions, not, you know, just like saying, oh, you should do something like we all do. No, I'm not uniformed. Interesting, because in some ways you got practice speaking your mind and standing up for your own sense of the world. Um, And like, I feel like that is a practice, right? That's something that people have to learn how to do. Some people just follow, right? They don't have their own thoughts. And it sounds like you you were in a place that was very much about everyone do the same thing. And you're like, eh, nope. The more rigid the place, the less likely you were to want to subscribe to that. It's boring. Nothing interesting it's in it. Boring. <laughs> it's, it's boring. You know, it's the same routine again and again. We do the same thing. And then actually, you could see the same thing in every society. 
because I lived half of my life in Britain. I know the US very well. I know other countries very well. I do work with people from across the globe. And it's all the same. We're just trying to mimicry into each other, doing the same things. Then we want to come up with something really creative because people are afraid to speak out. They're afraid to defend their grounds. They defend to, to think differently. They need to be a bit of troublemakers. <laughs> so with this troublemaker background, Oleg, did you have a sense of a career path or is this why you went and did service? Like what, what was sort of those early next steps for you? Uh, look, uh, actually I got a good experience. I have gone from a second engineer on deep sea throwers to a CEO position in, in a good large fishing industry business in the UK and in Russia and in Scandinavia. And then I decided, no, no, I still want to do something else. When I gone for my doctoral, my colleagues from the industry were quite surprised. And uh, the main thing they were trying to tell me, look, you got enough money. Why do you do this? What's wrong with you? Huh? Look, I'm curious. I want to learn. Hey, you're already 40, man. You should stop it. You know, keep, go back to business. No, no, no. Because you see, it's, uh, we all know this famous saying that if you feel being the smartest in the room, that means you are in the wrong room. And I was very keen, always keen, to be in that room where I don't feel myself the smartest. I want to learn from others. That drives my interest. That lifts me. That's inspires me that's very different it's interesting because it sounds like you have a, a not a clear line career path like you just said yeah. yes to lots of opportunities as they came right like you know if there was a fork in the road you didn't hesitate you you picked you picked a path and committed to it until it no longer served you and then you <laughs> sought out another thing is, is that really driven by your, your own curiosity or? It's curiosity is aim to explore. And it's another thing. You must listen to your intuition. You must listen to your gut. It's a, it's a great gyro, which is built in into the human essence. Why not to listen to it? Because career path is some kind of a prescribed journey from at a certain age, you want to be at that level, having everything secured, and then you're just turning back with the fun, with enjoyment. Okay. Yeah, you still, you, you will gain your blisters, you will gain your scars. That's okay. It's a great fun. Yeah. Because I'm lucky in this sense. I have met so many people. I have learned so many things. I have phenomenal experience of out of this life. But if you walk down this prescribed path, ah, you know, mm-hmm. nine to five, mm-hmm. boring reports at the end of the year, fancy moment when you received your bonus, that's it. Yeah, not, not a life for, for those of us who think of ourselves as unemployable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as in do not want to be employed. So, you know, you your uh, intro was full of accolades and acknowledgements oh, yeah. of, of the work that you've done in the world. And I've had the privilege of seeing some folks on that journey over the last 10, 15 years. I know the hard work behind the scenes. Was there a mentor early on who kind of 
inspired you to kind of go down this particular path where you ended up? Because it doesn't seem this didn't exist. Like what you're known for now wasn't a well-known career path that you had to kind of forge it in a way. How did you know, like, did someone kind of give you any guidance or support along the way? Quite a few years ago, I have asked one of my friends, he's very well run, and I just asked him, what do I need to do to get that on top of the league? And he answered, hard work. And I'm just like, hmm, that's a dodgy answer. Where's tips? Where's, you know, some kind of a recipe? Give me some kind of a substance. What shall I do? No, no, no. Hard work. Not long ago, maybe a couple of months ago, somebody interviewed me for his book, and I said, with the same question. One of the questions was exactly the same, and I said, without blinking in a hard work. And I could see his immediate res- you know, reaction. His, I could read in his eyes probably the same feeling as I had before. And I'm just like, okay, hold on, breathe out. This is what happens to me. Now I'm sharing the same experience with you. People assume that gaining some kind of an accolade is something phenomenal, but it is not. It's a a huge responsibility because if you consider it one of the best, you must prove all the time that you deliver value. it's not about one night success, no. And I think no one see how much you are committed that you are working hard, actually, much longer hours, less weekends you have with your family and many other things. And every book, every project, you are reinventing yourself. And of course, I'm, I learned a lot, for instance, from Marshall Goldsmith. I learned a lot from other people, you know, with whom I'm uh, associated. And that is phenomenal lessons. You're learning to be wiser. You're learning to be smarter. You are redefining your mindset all the time. And that is quite a bit of a work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is, that is the hard work in itself. And being open to learning, not thinking you're, you're done learning or being above being, you know, given a new suggestion. I think that's that openness you still must carry with you. Um, and, and to want to not be the smartest person in the room, like for that, for that now to be true, you surround yourself with people who are the top of their game, right? Like that's part of what your world must be these days. They're all, all these people have a great treat, humility. They are very good at admitting, look, I don't know this. Let's talk. It's not something, I don't know this, and don't talk to me about this. Oh, I don't know this. Let's chat. Let's explore it. And starting from scratch, and one of the lessons I have learned for myself and from about to face a new project or something new, I must learn it as a child, considering that I know nothing, and I must learn about it very, very quickly. I don't have years to learn. Therefore, I must be really focused on what I learn, be very good at gaining a feel of it, true feeling and understanding what it's all about. And with this fast-changing world, you can't 
no chance to know everything. And even we are proving every day that, for instance, the previous models were wrong or previous prescriptions were wrong, the previous approach was wrong, and therefore you must learn it again and again and again and again. It's okay even if you write a new book and you're saying, hey, I was wrong in my previous book. That's fine. Because you just proved yourself that you were wrong. You know, um, being an author now five times over, I mean, that's a whole process in itself. But prior to all this, did you know entrepreneurs? Were there people in your life who had this kind of life? Like most, most people end up in a job, you know, in a nine to five. And when you realized that wasn't for you, did you go to get your doctoral first and then go out to entrepreneurship? Was that? No, 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 no. I started entrepreneurship at the very young, you know, and actually I went for a doctoral uh, being at a very high position myself and running companies mm -hmm. and therefore just like it was quite for an industry surprise. Uh, I went for a doctoral at the I went from master's degree at 38 for a doctoral. I went at 42. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so I went quite late. Uh, I have a great friend and we are working on a new book with, uh, with him, John Spence. He, John became a CEO of Rockefeller Foundation at the age of 26. We're of the same age with him. So it was a great corporate journey, mm -hmm. great corporate records. And he's now in the same position as me, thinking, writing, delivering value in a different way. It's more or less, uh, but I don't know many people with such a trajectory. Yeah, it's a very unique one in some ways. Um, like, how did you start off on the entrepreneurship journey? What was the first steps in it? Were you thinking about being a coach or trainer? No, or no, no. Uh, I was pure. I spent many years purely in the fishing industry, but mm. actually, when I got my doctoral, I realized, okay, I need to go some, you know, just a bit further, and I start consulting. And then I wrote a couple of books, and people, you know, and consulting people, they said, "Would you coach me?" I said, "I'm not a coach, but I already was teaching at business schools uh, or lecturing." No, 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 you could do it great. You do it well. You're already actually doing it. You just a bit put a bit of structure. And I said, okay, let me try. And this well, quite well. <laughs> so my uh, visionary leadership coaching course is considered recently. It was announced number five by Global Group Gurus as a top program. And I consider one of good coaches, probably the best in visionary leadership. But coaching is something very interesting. I coach people only on the subjects that I will coach myself. I don't coach people on things that I'm not very much interested in or don't have a, a room for improvement. Because coaching is not just telling people do something from A to B. It's a joint journey. Or, you know, we are walking hands enhance, you know, somewhere into solutions, which never been done before. That's a really interesting idea that you're choosing to focus your, your coaching energy on areas where you could still have room Improve. for improvement. That's yeah. really interesting. And that also keeps you 
your mind really engaged. You must be more curious, more interested. And it's a co-creation then, like you're part of the journey with them. That's really interesting. And uh, also another thing, you see, nothing is black and white. There are many things. And if you're not prepared to learn, you, you wouldn't deliver that value. It might be valuable today, but next year or even next month, it wouldn't be as valuable. And therefore, you must be prepared to learn. And if you're really interested in that subject, you will keep your eyes and ears open. You would learn, you will absorb, you will, you will hone your skills and competences to the best possible level. But if you're not very interested, you just do another boring work. You know, I got a client, tick a box, thank you, goodbye. Nah, it's not good. No. Uh, even think, last two years, we are all residents of Zoom, right? We're actually citizens of Zoom. And think for a moment how you could pe- keep the conversation with your client or course participants from across the globe without having that actual contact. It's about how we create a value together. And what I'm always saying, we are here to reveal the the greatness of each other. Therefore, I must be really great to recognize the greatness of another person and help him to reveal it. And therefore, I believe it's important to be open for exploring even your area even further and further and further to make it really profound and valuable for people. That's really great. And I, you, you seem to offer value in so many different ways. So right now it's writing clearly courses, coaching. What are the other sort of ways that you're contributing? I do consulting. I do speaking, uh, but I still trying to plan quite carefully. Okay. I have so many coaching clients. I have, Mm -hmm. you know, I could do so many courses because still need a time to form a family. I need to have a time for thinking. I need to have a time for for doing a research on those new areas because every my every book is a result of a real research. It's not something. Oh, I have an idea and I will write it down. No, no, it's a research behind it. So, how do you? How do you think about parsing out your time then? I mean, this is because you you offer value in the world so many different ways, and you are, you're just saying you need time to think. <laughs> um, of course, time for your family, time for research. Do you kind of focus in, like in a sprint model where you're focused for a period of time very intensely on a new topic, and then you move on to new new things? Like, and the rest of it, you sort of just figure out how to balance it all. Like, any how are, how are you managing your schedule? It's very simple. Uh, I know uh, I'm playing with a, a with a time difference. Like if I'm in Moscow or in the UK, I'm playing my mornings with Asia and Europe. Then I have a gap, and uh, before America fully awakes and Europe and Asia become a bit quieter, I could take a walk. I could and think, or go to a gym or something like that. So I have a couple of hours to think about. Then I do Americas, and then I have a time to spend with my family. And when they're in bed, uh, I could focus on my laptop and put whatever thoughts, ideas, or write something, or 
keep that conversation as we do now. <laughs> I love how you're using time zones to your advantage so that your middle of your day is kind of naturally giving you that space because you know the people you interact with are, are sort of not engaging in that moment. Um, I wrote my two of my books I wrote uh, at night after 9 p.m. because it's when people stop messaging me. <laughs> um, and it was the easiest thing to do. Kids are in bed, everyone's yep. happy. And, you know, yeah. And some people are early morning people, but for you, you can get up and do work with clients and, you know, engage with people. And then you'll have your break in the middle of the day. So you've met Oleg. I mean, this is a network, a conference about network, sorry, a conversation about networking as well. So I'm just thinking about all the people you've met and like your network is so expansive over the years, sectors, interests, et cetera. So you've got sort of the inner circle of people you're always going to stay in touch with. And, it, and you know, that's just going to happen without a lot of effort, but I'm curious how you stay engaged with people who are sort of the second and third layers out the people that you like, you enjoy each other's company, but maybe you usually would see them like once a year at a conference or you work with them five years ago, but you don't really have a reason to work with them now. Any thoughts or habits, philosophies, practices around how you could stay in touch with and sustain those kinds of sort of looser connections? First, you see networking, as my friend John Spence says, is 90% is giving and 10% is taking. Great. Another thing is, you see, when people talk about networking, they mainly assume that it's some kind of a formal introduction. And that's it. It's gone, and they expect that people would remember you forever. No, it doesn't work. I believe that a few minutes of informal conversation equals to a year of formal conversation. Therefore, be honest, be open, deliver value. And here comes an interesting lesson from those people who are times better than me. If you have your thoughts well structured, you, are, you become very good at delivering simple and valuable messages that people will remember because they will they withdraw a value out of what you would share with them. And you listen to them with, I don't know, 300% attention and you would respond inappropriately and you know their needs. So if within a year it comes back to the next conversation, you remember what this person needs, you know how to talk, it becomes very natural. I'm not talking that it's just like I said, for a first layer of friends, I'm very uh, big fan of sending Christmas cards across the globe, you know, proper cards handwritten, not just emails. <laughs> I'm still old-fashioned in this sense. I believe it's, it's from my heart. But it's nothing wrong, and I believe it's, yeah, some people say time-consuming, but it's okay to send a message to people, as you said, even just like from the next level, a short message, Merry Christmas or Happy Birthday or something like that. You still remember. You're still valuable for them. Mm. No one becomes a less human or busier keeping the conversation going. Do you have a specific list of people that 
you want to stay in touch with over the years? I wouldn't say it's a specific list. No, it's not a specific list. But it, somehow it comes quite naturally because we keep in conversation. Mm-hmm. We keep in conversation. Yeah, some, sometimes it could be, you know, very packed conversation. It goes slow down, then it becomes back again. I don't see anything wrong with that. And do you have a, a newsletter as part of your business that you also no. send out? to No. 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 Um, uh, the, the reason is simple. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, I believe majority of people like from my LinkedIn contacts are trying to ask me to to sign up for their newsletters but I don't have that time uh, and I believe if everybody be another person who is sending another newsletter they will delete it it will go to a spam why waste people energy uh-huh. time effort you know if I want to share something valuable okay cool I will write an article for for media or for my blog, and I will share it on a social media. If people can, they will read. If they don't care, they will can they will ignore it. You know that would be fair. But banging the doors and saying, "Hey, hey, I have brilliant ideas," which is what you know, meaningless. I don't think it's fair. I don't mm-hmm. think it's uh, it has a lot of value for people. No. Yet I'm still reading a few newsletters from, from few certain people. people. Yeah. yeah. There's people you're choosing to follow, though. That makes sense. So you must, you must really appreciate what they put out in the world. Um, yeah. I mean, is, is social media also some of the strategy when you're saying you're, so, you're sharing the articles you're writing? Is that like a LinkedIn? Yeah. Yeah. LinkedIn mainly. I mm-hmm. do use LinkedIn mainly. And uh, but what is interesting? It's not about gaining a number of likes. Right. Like is nothing. You know, it's about getting that message. People say, hey, thank you for that. Or see the real comment, not just like, thanks for sharing. Or, you know, some kind of formal. Uh, But reading that sign, uh aha, people are really responding to that topic. They're really gaining a value out of it, or it's of their interest, or it's counterintuitive for them. And that's worth exploring even further. This is quite important because you, at that moment, you're establishing a a next level of communicating value with people. And that is something very interesting. Is gathering people been part of your your strategy ever like hosting no. dinners or salons uh, no it's uh if it happens it happens naturally and you see being a social media influencer it's not my aim i'm a solution finder uh so i have a very different role and even okay i would have less I would say social media followers, but the people at least they would know what I do, not just my name. Mm-hmm. That's great. So um, one of my favorite questions to ask as, as we wrap up here is, um, you know, if we were staying in touch and let's say we're meeting a year from now and we are celebrating all of your successes, uh, what are you going to be toasting to? What are you most looking forward to in the year ahead, personal, professional? None of the achievements are purely mine. For instance, if I work on a book, it's 
an editor, respondents. It's mm-hmm. quite a number of people behind it, even if my only my name on a title. Thanks to them. Robbie, thank you for inviting me for this conversation because you're helping me to spread the word around that I'm not as bad person, but I'm okay. Probably not the coolest, but I'm still acceptable. You know, thank you. So you involved. <laughs> you know, is, there, is there another book on the horizon? Well, yes. Uh, oh. We are not opening much uh, of a, you know, we're still keeping it under the, yeah. in the dark. But it's, it's in exactly. the process. Ah, yeah. that's, that's good to know. You know, I, I imagine that also means more time to research, more people to talk to. Like, I mean, you're always, it seems like you're a person who's going to continue to keep doing that because you love the learning. You, you're curious, you like meeting with people, engaging people's minds, whether it's online content or through your books. Um, I mean, it's, I'm very excited to learn more about your work now that we've met. I feel like I'm going to dig back through and we'll put some information in the show notes. And speaking of which, how can people find you and follow your work? Uh, they could visit my website. It has all the contacts for my email, of course. It's olekonavalov.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm happy to respond on LinkedIn and get connected. And uh, I do respond to those messages myself. So it's not application or a bot answering it. <laughs> it's me. brilliant. Well, we'll put all those links in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Oh, look, thank you so much for joining me from this conversation. Robbie, thank you very much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Oleg. What is your key takeaway? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 275. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources in today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which are your favorite interviews. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. And don't forget to subscribe for free yourself so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review in Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week. They'll be interviewing another talent professional who's achieved success in their field or industry. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.